right to the Tag Your It podcast. We're sorry for a little bit of the technical difficulties anyway, um, but we're going to get it right here. All Even the right. best mess it up a few times. Come on. Yeah, some, every <laughs> once in a while, um, things happen and, uh, you know. But we can forgive it each other. Right? That's right. We make mistakes. We're That's not right. uh, perfect beings. Well, welcome everyone. <laughs> Even though we are imperfect beings, I messed up really bad on Sunday uh, in pronouncing some New Testament names. And I was like, ooh, I'll, it was like right when I was getting up and reading the scripture. And so when after I read the scripture at First Baptist Buffalo, I always, you know, we'll stand, I'll read the scripture and then I'll pray. Oh, brother, like I just totally jacked it up. And uh, so right when I opened my prayer, I said exactly how I felt. I was like, God, I am so glad that you use an imperfect, fallen, messed up guy who oftentimes does not pronounce things correctly and says things ineffectively. Yeah. So with that said, thank you for allowing two imperfect guys to come into your ears and your head. I am David Van Beber. Many of you are aware of that. But if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, because we did have a very large non-podcast liking yes. audience. <laughs> I don't know what the best way. We had a lot of people who do not like the podcast follow the live stream yeah. last week. In fact, it said 90% of our audience, when I was looking at the analytics, followed it. So welcome. I'm Dave, and this is... Adam Ray Ray. Adam Ray Ray, and this is the Tag Your It Podcast. So, yeah, last week uh, we had a, uh, or at least I was uh, involved in a debate, and my buddy Dave, he moderated, and we had a guy from Michigan. Uh, he was a Freemason and a Christian um, that what we were debating on is Freemasonry uh, consistent with Christianity, um, you know, with my conclusion that I still was not... Um, at all convinced that it was, especially after his argumentation. So that's the kind of stuff that we want to go through tonight. Um, probably uh, give you guys like, you know, my opening statement again, what, why, why was what I said important in the opening statement and stuff like that. So it's kind of like handing it over to Dave yeah. here to um, kind of start that conversation, um, which will then help me, uh, you so know, get organized here for um, yeah. Once again, I just want to thank recap. you all so much. We are always grateful for anyone who watches the live stream, listens to the podcast, who likes the page. We want to always encourage you if you have been encouraged, edified, challenged, or instructed. Please share the podcast. Invite your friends to like the page. I want to just give you. Uh, we're not going to do any of our announcements. We're just going to jump right into this because I think that it's a very important topic and a very important thing already. Adam and I have received really positive mm -hmm. feedback. Uh, in fact, I do have knowledge of an individual yes. that has listened to the podcast and not just because of the podcast, but because of other things has been impacted um, by it. And I don't want to get too specific on that, but we have been contacted with that. And so that's an amazing thing. Uh, that's exactly why we do this. So here's kind of what I'd like to do. I'm going to just kind of put my perspective on how I felt the debate went, what I thought as an observer slash uh, moderator. Yeah. So uh, as I was observing and just giving again, overall feedback, the first thing that I would always state is you need to go back and you need to listen to those opening arguments. If you listen to the podcast once, I will tell you that in debate, we often miss what is being thrown out there. We're not able to track everything. And if you're like me and you write down the basic arguments that are being put forward, that's very helpful, but we don't always do that. So as I listened to the debate, I felt that Adam, of course, he provides the second opening statement. So Brandon essentially begins to say, hey, this is a secular organization and it's okay for me to be in it. I am not going to do anything that is going to run contrary to scripture and my pastor is fine with it. In fact, you know, I did think it was important that he said, you should ask your pastor yeah. if you're going to join. And if your pastor says no, then don't do it. Hey, amen. But that's the interesting thing. That's very interesting. Cause, uh, um, go for it. Yeah, no, no, go for it. I mean, this happens. Uh, we're... Uh, we're in the SBC. Um, in 1992, there was an investigation launched uh, to go into what Freemasonry teaches and stuff. And uh, you guys can go back online and look up the uh, HMB. So that's now NAM, but it was the Home Missions Board back then that did the uh, statement of things that could be consistent with Freemasonry and things that were not consistent or could be consistent with Christianity and then things that were not consistent with Christianity, um, and then they left it up to the conscience underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. They SBC didn't denounce 
um, Freemasonry, um, but they left it to the autonomous church to be the ruling factor in, do we let this in our church? Um, do we uh, let people in as Freemasons into membership? Um, do we try to get our members? And I'm just going to be real straightforward. I have had an individual sit down with me who was looking at and had been attending the church that I pastor. When I shared with him that I had written on Freemasonry and the problems with it, I made it pretty clear. If you're a Mason, you're not going to feel real comfortable in our church because we're going to be very clear that we worship the triune God of scripture. That's going to be evident in the way we pray. That's going to be evident in the way we teach. That's going to be found over and over again. We believe in the authority of scripture. We believe in the exclusivity of Jesus Christ as Lord. We don't worship some other God that is defined by another society. And of course, that's what I find in masonry over and over again. So with that said, one of the things, if I was going to be coaching Adam, I would say, Hey, as I would always tell myself, Make sure that you organize your main points, make them clear, and don't rush. And that often is something that's very difficult in an opening statement. And so uh, as I followed, and I'll let Adam give some clarity on this, I thought throughout the debate, Adam was trying to catch a slippery fish. Mm -hmm. He would try to nail down a specific statement, a specific contention and it every time just slipped right out of his hands so as you listen to the debate again and i hope that you go back and do listen to it on the podcast see if you can find that because again i don't think that brandon was trying to be problematic but that's one of the issues walter martin makes it really clear in kingdom of the cults and in many of his lectures you have to learn the language of the cults and that's one of the things that i think is the most confusing about this even as you and i have sat down and talked about masonry and i'm going to ask you to kind of unpack some of the jargon for us because there's a whole bunch there Mm -hmm. and i would say adam you probably have a level of expertise regarding the jargon of masonry that very few people that are not masons have yeah and that's that's, you know on the other hand that is not a good thing no um, it's not i don't know i mean i have only scratched the surface i was only dealing with the first three steps of masonry in michigan um, there's a reason for that, and we can unpack that here in a little bit. Um, but, you know, that's all I was dealing with. So I wasn't the, dealing with the full uh, scope of things. I wasn't dealing with Albert. Uh, See, so yeah, I'd be Al- Albert Pike and uh, Henry Coyle, who had written uh, varying documents that some people count as authoritative. Some people in Freemasonry don't. Um, so what I did was uh, stuck with that. That's all I know. So there is some jargon there. But see, there is so much more um, that you have to be a part of this. So, so here'd be my question. So I've talked a little bit about Brandon's case. It seemed like in my mind, there was no scripture quoted in that opening statement. No zero Um, for a Christian that becomes problematic. My other issue, and we'll get down to this when we begin to break down his opening statement, because that's going to be the next thing we do after I ask you to summarize kind of your main point and your main contention. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he says and tries to define it as a secular organization, the problem is that Christians don't believe in a secular organization, Yeah, right? There is no neutrality. Everything that we do in our lives presents a worldview understanding. We are either acting in submission to the worldview that we have proposed, or we are acting contrary to it. Mm -hmm. So when we propose that we live in a Christian worldview, And we submit to a Christian worldview. We recognize that scripture teaches there is no neutrality in Mm -hmm. any act in the world. Right. Exactly. And so and someone say, oh, Dave, that's that's a little bit crazy. No, no, it's not. Read scripture. Right. Everything we do is either something that we're doing to glorify God for his glory. And of course, a way that he provides for our enjoyment or we're acting sinfully and in contrary to what scripture clearly teaches. So. Here's how I'm going to go about this, and if you all do have questions for Adam about the debate, I'd love for you to uh, present them to us in the stream. We have, of course, a watch party going in. Of course, we have the regular live stream up, so feel free to put a question if you've got one for Adam. But Adam, if you could, simply summarize what you were going after in your opening statement. All right. Well, anyway, according to the manual um, in Michigan, which is only given to the officers, they, they, they were given that um, to be able to know what to teach and uh, know more about uh, what they were to do in the lodge as far as So not officers. everybody who joins gets a copy of the no, this Michigan for, Manual for Freemasonry. Yeah, this is a, yeah, the Michigan Manual 
in ceremonies that I was using. Or maybe it's this one's the man. This is very, very confusing because there's so many different documents um, that I found that have that bear the Grand Lodge seal. Um, and in that one, um, in the manual is whenever it looks like in the foreword of that manual, it's given to the officers. So anyway, that's where I got uh, my Freemasonry definition from. So it's something that somebody in leadership should know um, is a definition. And he didn't uh, say anything against that definition. I gave def- He didn't give definitions. That's number one. I understand it was his first debate. We can give him grace on that. He didn't know maybe he should define things. Um, he kind of had his own opinion of what Freemasonry is, but he did not give us an official Grand Lodge. So when you laid out your opening case, the first thing that you did is you wanted to make sure that it specifically applied to Brandon. Why is that so important? Well, as I said, you know, uh, he's, um, he admitted like, which is true and it's not um, anything in contention um, that he has obliged himself to the Grand Lodge of Michigan, which as I stated in the, uh, Debate. Why not to masonry as a whole? Uh, well, this because the only source of authority in all matters pertaining to ancient craft masonry were within its chartered lodges in the state of Michigan. That's all the authority that... Um, so a mason in Missouri is not under the same... Authority. Bingo. Yes. yes. Okay. So they're, they're all separate authorities. So it's not like a hierarchical system where you'd have, um, say, the Pope and then parishes underneath that. Or whatever they call them. Um, you have so each state has a grand lodge, states. and yes. they are not under one grand lodge that yeah. is giving a ruling document. Yeah, there's no thing. supreme grand lodge. So it's very other hard than then, the supreme lodge, the celestial lodge. Okay. Heaven. So then, what I see a lot of times happen, and I think about Weldon and Ankerberg in their book, they kind of make some generic statements about all masons i see this happen a lot of times even walter martin i think kind of falls victim to this not that he is some messed up guy like obviously martin does a lot of things really well and in fact you relied on him heavily but what i see happen a lot of times with masonry is people make these generalized statements i mean i fell victim to that in my book right about masonry um when we make these generic uh statements about masonry we have to recognize that each state has a grand lodge that yeah. people in that state are recognizing it's, it's, the it's better authority. to hold them to that because that's who they're obligated to and they can sort of twist the conversation and be like well that's missouri that's alabama gotcha you know and so to keep them from doing that you find out okay where do you live where where are you obligated to this is what michigan's grand lodge has so said. when you hammer slip out of that so when you hammer it down to in your definitions. And how did you say it again? Um, so the Grand Lodge of Michigan is the only source of authority in all matters pertaining to the ancient craft or to ancient craft masonry within its chartered lodges in the state of Michigan. And this is from the the uh, blue book, the Michigan Masonic blue book, which um, the manual will point back to um, okay. that they should read um, and then in itself. So, you know, any document, this is how we treat Scripture, right? Scripture interprets scripture. So their documents are authoritative documents and they all point to each other for certain purposes. So gotcha. they are. Thir- so that's why you couldn't go to Pike or Coyle yeah. and say, now, this is what Masons believe. Yeah, now, now what Steve Tolkis, uh, to, uh, so Callis has done, um, which great book. If you uh, want to read it, the Masonic rights and wrongs from Steve, uh, so Callis from uh, PNR. Uh, publishing. Um, he's written a really, really good treatment um, on it. And I relied on that. And that's kind of why I was disappointed in the debate because there was a certain direction I wanted to go. But I, you know, after watching the debate, I was like, no, it went a pretty good direction. And, and what I was the direction you wanted to go? I wanted to definitely stick in the now. He okay. did not want to stick in the now. He wanted to go back in time and not deal with, well, now we've allowed anybody that believes in any God and we're gotcha. praying corporately together. And so that defines who God is. He's universal God. So really somebody might have to believe we're all playing, praying to a different God, but just, we just have different names denominationally. And that, that word denominational is a, is a different word than what you would like. You'd think Baptist, Presbyterians, Methodist, assemblies of God, uh, whatever. Um, No denominational complication becomes now the specific beliefs. Okay. So then they then they define God as this universal God that they're praying to, despite all these. Uh, so one of the things Brandon did, you felt, was kind of moved the goalpost a little bit in saying, yeah. "No, no, I'm talking about historically where it was founded." 
Yeah. Not so much at here's how it's practiced today. Yeah. And you wanted to get into here's how it's practiced today. Yeah. Not so much the Huguenots yeah, which, who brought yeah, it over. Which, which, I mean, he ended up saying that there's a problem, but he didn't want to stick on that. He wanted to go back in time. What was the problem that he admitted to you felt? Oh, that was the problem was that it was the universalness that they have to do now. And he admitted that his lodge is a universal lodge, is more broad lodge. So then on that contention right there, that's the debate. Like I said in my debate, they uh, have to uh, not pray with a Christian connotation. Uh, prayers that are, like, what did I say? Prayers, this is in the manual. Um, let's see, prayers. Oh, man, I, there's so much that I... Well, your first contention was that it was an objectively false fellowship. Yeah. What did you mean by that, and how would you okay, so, say so, that you, you clarified that? Yeah, so it's an objectively false fellowship because um, I stated, you know, the only sort of fellowship that we have. So it's it, they say in their definition here that it is um, true fellowship under the fatherhood of God. Okay. Well, as Christians, we know that that fellowship does not exist anymore without Jesus Christ. That's right. They don't preach Jesus in the lodge. He becomes a denominational complication. Um, so you can't do that in the lodge. And so what are they giving them? They're letting them go. No, we are brothers. And the thing is, like I said, like my unbelieving brother is not my brother. And that should compel us instead of going, well, I'm going to relate to him spiritually anyway. Um, I should go. I want to relate to him spiritually and I so can't compromise scripture the clarity of scripture, which was big time in this debate. He did not treat the scripture as clear. Um, it worked out after the debate in the comments um, that he was talking about. It uh, has, we've talked further um, and the clarity of scripture is not on his lips. So unfortunately, in other words, Masons have to reject the clarity of yeah. scripture concerning a mediator in Jesus Christ who creates a fellowship of yeah. the Elect believers before the Father. Yep. Okay, so then you're not objectively true. It's subjectively true, but is it the right fellowship that a Christian should be in? Should we obligate to one another? I offered scripture that he could have came back and said, that's not what that means, and then did some exegesis, did some expositional stuff going on there. He, He didn't worry about that. He just goes, well, you know, bowling. Well, you know, golf clubs. Well, you know, and it's like, that's apples and oranges. So one of the passages that I think you really kind of hammered things down on was second Corinthians chapter six, verses 14 to 16. Yeah. Uh, Give me a little clarity as to why you use that and why you would have liked to seen some interaction on that. So chapter six. So that is page three on your case. Okay. Yeah. So that is where Paul says not basically it's unequally yoked. Okay. And I know in some other scriptures, um, it's in the context of marriage. Um, don't join your members um, with a prostitute, basically. Um, yeah. yeah. That that unclean thing. Um, but yeah, if you want to, if you got it faster. Well, uh, verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has a Christian with Baal? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has a temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and will be their God and they will be my people. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the people in the church. That's Christians that we're supposed to be with. That's the temple of God. So one of your major arguments then is if you're a Mason, You've now said, I have a brotherhood that is exclusive from the church, but it's a true brotherhood under God. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, it's, it's totally evident because it comes from, he's saying the Huguenots were over there suffering. Again, I mentioned we are called to suffer and they didn't want to suffer. And so basically every time that he said something was, um, well, I need to find men that work that I can trust to work. Well, again, we're not just dealing with work. He keeps on going over here. Well, you know, we'd make trade unions. Those are okay. And they have secret meetings and it's like, well, it's not okay. Whenever you hijack what should be going on as a church, because that's the church being the church. So so you have then separated yourself from the church 
to do churchy things, but then you call yourself not the church, you call yourself not religious, and it just becomes this mixed bag of just the Freemasonry is not even consistent with itself. So argument one was essentially that Freemasonry is an incomplete false fellowship. Yes. Right. Okay. Your contention too was that Masonry downgrades the authority of the Triune God, mm-hmm. uh, His revelation and the gospel to man's subjective opinion, not God's objective truth. Yeah. One of the things that really came up in our conversation, you know, before the program was the common gavel. Now, this is one of those language pieces that when I hear the common gavel, I'm like, well, what is that all about? Like, I don't, I don't even understand. Could you give some clarity on that? That kind of comes evident in this second argument where you say basing a moral code on principles of structure, structural building for the purpose of, and you quote, again, uh, the Michigan petition to become a Mason, uh, which is on their website. It says that it is uh, for the fitting themselves as living stones in that building, not made with hands, symbolized in the common gavel. What's the common gavel? What does that all mean? So, you know, like I said, this is philosophy based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, not Christ. So okay. I said that in the debate, and I asked him about that, and he dodged that question. The question about the common, common gavel. Yeah, basic, well, basically um, about the warning of this style of this philosophy being based on. So these, the common gavel is a tool. All these symbols that they use are tools that Freemasons, operative Freemasons used, and they take those tools and then spiritualize the idea. So if a tool is used for something... So real go, quick, operative yeah. Freemasons are the people who actually do yeah, they stone were, cutting, right? Yeah, yeah they do. They, right. they built temples for everybody, whatever. You know, they were tradesmen. They had trade secrets. Okay, if you want to keep a trade secret, so in Masonry, what you do, that's fine. They'll but, take yeah. those tools that are used yeah. to actually do the job in operative Freemasonry, yeah. And though, and what's the terminology for the Freemasonry as we know it now? Not a, a speculative. Speculative. And that's what happened. Like whenever you have seventeen seventeen come along in England, and they basically it's a society, and it, I mean it admits in the uh, now questionable to Brandon document. Um, yeah, go ahead and clarify a little bit yeah. about that. So uh, what Adam has in his hand right now is a petition to become a Freemason. A Michigan Freemason. Now, every state will have their own petition to become yeah. a Freemason. And most of them that I looked at, they don't have this much information. So, oh, so Michigan really goes above and beyond. Yeah, Michigan gives light. You know, I looked for a Missouri one, and it's basically, if you look at it, it's just, I solemnly swear that if I get uh, put in here, um, I can I cheerfully conform to the uh, established usage and customs of the fraternity. And that's basically all, say, Missouri has. Okay. Um, and then, you know, that does come directly from the monitor, okay. um, from the internet printer. And what's the monitor? So the monitors, manuals, all that kind of stuff, those are things that are Grand Lodge materials for teaching. So that becomes the official stuff. So every state has its own monitor, which is monitors, its official rituals, uh, Missouri has a, what you call a cipher. I haven't found an actual, I found monitors that they exist, but what they're using right now is a cipher and that you need a key. So it's, it's words written with missing letters and then oh, they have okay, a gotcha. key that then you read and then you put them together. So you get the information. So they okay, keep gotcha. it encrypted. Gotcha. All right. So, yeah, so you've got this, but they give you a whole lot more light. This uh, says that this was revised in November 6th, uh, 2015. Brandon was very appalled by it um, after because he didn't during the he he admitted that during the debate, he didn't know what I was talking about Um, whenever I was talking about the petition because he had a petition that he's been using for a while and he never saw this. He saw this and went. it is definitely against um, Christianity. And, so uh, the yeah. so real quick, that's a really important piece yeah. for your debate. Yes, if the Masons, if the Grand Lodge in Michigan is asking people to sign the petition to understand this agreement when they sign it, and it is counter Christian, that's the Grand Lodge. Brandon is a Christian who is an active member of the of the Michigan Grand Lodge. And if they're asking people to sign a document that is fundamentally unchristian, what are some of these fundamental unchristian pieces that the Michigan Grand Lodge is asking? Well, it's just, you know, it's just that uh, God hasn't really, God has this plan for the universe that we can't know unless if we're prepared in our heart to see it. And that's what I mentioned in the... Uh, and, and that's a direct quote from there? What's the um, direct quote, if you don't mind? I'm not says, trying to, like... As the chief architect of each cathedral alone had a complete plan, so in our symbolism, God alone has the complete plan of his universe. The plan 
could only be known to those pure in spirit who dedicated their lives to the services of man and his creator. So, um, thereby preparing rough ashlers for the temple's structure. So, you know, the rough ashler is the uh, rock in its rude state. And then you use the common gavel to then get off the uh, superfluous rough ends of the stone, right? To then fit it for the temple, which it becomes a perfect ashler for the temple, right? And so the mediator, the mediator between a rough ashler and a perfect ashler is the common gavel, which is what we were talking about. All right. So, so, so basically, yeah. but in, in, in anyway, uh, it said each had to first sense the divine plan in his heart. Another version of the age old story, the eternal quest for the way of life. Again, like I said, this is the autonomous man's pursuit of the universal. This is an enlightenment philosophy, which they admit to on the second page that they were discussing 18th century ideals. So essentially what's being argued there in the petition is that you have to agree that if you, again, go into masonry, you now have access to the plan of God. In a way, yeah, all you're, you're searching for it. So it becomes like the Areopagus. You had a bunch of people worshiping different gods and all this kind of stuff, and they coexisted together. They had the unknown God, and that's what Paul declared. Did Paul become an Areopagite? Did he join them to then preach the gospel to them, or did he go to them preaching the gospel? They were interested in it. He still didn't join them, but he got to preach the gospel to them. Yeah. But so this is Jerusalem invading Athens. But now Freemasonry is just like the uh, basically the Areopagus. Just now you have Jesus in the mix with any other God, with any other savior, with any other thing. In other words, what's being signed when you join or put your petition to join is you're trusting in the common gavel to rough out the edges. Basically, basically, well, you know. Somebody, you, you might put your Christian glasses on and be like, well, I use the scriptures to do that. Um, but that's not everybody. That's a subjective opinion. And you're not correct. There is no one correct. We're all trying to search for it. Unfortunately, scripture tells a different story. God has condescended. Yeah. He condescended and talked to Adam. He gave him positive law. There was natural law. There was positive law. That's the way it's always worked. Um, we now have this, we have this stuff written on our hearts, but all men are wicked. All men have twisted that and suppressed the truth. But see, God condescended in the son in incarnation, and he's the one that enlightens every man. The gospel goes out. The church brings the gospel to the world. They expose that multifaceted wisdom of God and preaches the gospel, which is the power to salvation for those who believe or is the stench of death to those who are perishing. So one of your other arguments here in this third one, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and quote basically exactly from what you said. Cutting the objective revelational epistemic symbols are abstract ideals for fellowship or fellowship of true brothers who believe in any God they choose only necessitates autonomously reasoned belief in a not the supreme being, the immortality of the soul and a not the volume of sacred law. So these um, are the three landmarks. Okay, and what are those three, three landmarks? So what does that th- mean? those are the three things. Those are like three things that are necessary to Freemasonry. Okay, and you they have are... to admit to these things, which is a supreme being. You have to believe in a supreme being. You have to believe in the immortality of the soul, and you have to believe in a volume of sacred law. They keep on saying a volume of sacred law. Then you get into the stuff which is cultural. So they're going to say the Bible, but then again, like I had showed in the blue book, you can, you can take that Bible, Holy Bible out word wise from the ritual and just put a sacred volume or the, the sacred volume. Hmm. So, you know, and they're very adamant um, about the verbiage used in their ritual. So they are allowing you to do this. Which so then I said it only pays lip service to the Bible when so, I get here. Yeah, you continue uh, as evidenced in the blue book. If someone with a different religion than Christianity is a candidate, they can change Holy Bible to volume of sacred law and ritual. Also, it is said in the manual that having a Christian connotation in Messianic prayers should be scrupulously avoided mm-hmm. to not offend a brother of another religion. 
prayers then should be compatible with all religions, including one's own. Um, that's synchronism, mm-hmm. is it not? Secretism, yes. yes secretism. Again, like I said, this is the Areopagus. Everybody has their own God. You can worship whatever God you want. And all Freemasonry wants you to do is go, well, we need to stop fighting for an hour, so let's have a lodge meeting. And let's just compromise all our beliefs. Because, you know, really, we're all just, we're believing in the same thing, just in different ways, right? Is that the way that we should take it? So this is one of the things that always kind of gets me, and maybe, again, you've done a lot more study on it than I have in this particular field. Essentially, you can show up to the lodge, you can pray with these guys, call them a good Mason, know that they've never walked into the door of a church. They can say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian Mason. And then at their funeral, you say that they've gone to the Masonic heaven. Well, which they've is, gone to the Celestial Lodge, yes. They are um, assured that. Um, and then it's also assured in whenever they give their grand honors and all that kind of stuff. Um, and But there's there's never a sense of, you know... Well, you know, we, we hope that their God can save them. No, they never mention anything like that. It's all based upon works, whether you yeah, get so the Yeah, so they say in the, uh, in the manual and prescribed ceremonies when it comes to their uh, funeral services that whatever virtue binds, death can't separate. So works bind you together as Masons, and death cannot separate. And that's why they have this white glove of fidelity that they end up throwing a a white glove in um, that they will end up in the celestial lodge in heaven. And they'll be able to have that hand of fellowship again in the afterlife. So one of the things that kind of got kicked around a little bit during the open dialogue and during some of the um, cross-examination was the lambskin apron. Yeah. Um, Actually, it seemed like Brandon asked you if you knew what the lambskin apron symbolized. Yeah. Um, What's that all about? Well, it's a, so if you've seen a picture of Mason, you see that they wear an apron, a white apron around their waist. And it's got, you know, so whenever you first get in there, there's no decoration on it. And as you uh, get progressively through the different steps, you get different uh, insignia symbols to wear on it that would identify where, how far you are in your degree. It would define, it would, uh, Sorry, I hadn't oh, even looked at our time. It would end up, uh, you know, showing. Um, you know, your York right or your Scotch right, there might be some sort of symbolism for, you know, other appendant bodies or whatever. Um, but it is, um, like it says, it is an emblem of innocence and the badge of a Mason. Um, you know, it's the most ancient thing they're actually in. They're making a statement that, you know, Freemasonry is the highest honor that can give you this. Um, like no other order can give you something so cool. Um, it's given from the best order. Um and then it says it may be the record or so may the record of your life and conduct be as pure and spotless as this fair emblem, which I now place within your hands. Uh, may it be your lot. So it says, and when your soul shall stand naked and alone before the great white throne, may it be your lot, my brother, to hear from him who sitteth there as the judge supreme, the welcome words, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And so they have mentioned no other mediary. They have mentioned nothing else, but here's a symbol of purity and rectitude of life. Hopefully your life matches this, and hopefully you end up at the great, great white throne and you hear these welcoming words. I would just ask, who is the judge of masonry? Who is the God that is judging you at the end of your life? Um, let me kind of close this section out before we jump into Brandon's arguments and begin to unpack them. And most of that, again, will be Adam kind of responding because he's obviously done a lot more study in this. I, I feel like I've studied effectively in the past. I've taken a class on it, but but Adam is much more fresh in this. So in order for Brandon to have proven that masonry is consistent with a Christian worldview, what would he have had to have done? All he would have to do is give me scripture. Where, you know, and, and ex, ex, you know, grammatical, historical, hermeneutic to go, it's okay. It's okay to do this. That's all he had to do. That's all I was asking for. I, I went like, in the face of this warning of Paul, how do you go about that? So in order to prove that Mason, and for you, for yeah. you, at the end of the day, if Brandon presents to you, here is, according to scripture, why this is equitable or i should say uh not equitable 
why this is consistent with a Christian worldview. Here's a scripture that demonstrates that masonry is consistent with a Christian worldview. That's that's you lose scripture. the debate. Again, like I said, my definition of Christianity from scripture alone. Yeah, from scripture one needs alone. to prove that yeah. the God of masonry is the God of the Bible, or that not only that, I would say the God of masonry is the God of the Bible, and the God of the and Bible is, allows someone to practice masonry and is explicitly you know recognized as the God of the Bible. Okay. Yeah, because you know it's one of those things like we're not supposed to veil that. The thing is, and, the gospel is already veiled. Like we know that from scripture. And if the God of Masonry, sorry, yeah. tapping on the table, sure. if the God of Masonry is not consistent with the God of the Bible as defined in Scripture, it's a false God. Yes. Is that the correct? It becomes a okay. ontologically different God. Yes. Well. Let's jump into Brandon's statement. I think it's a good little place to do that. Um, yeah. Hey, that was really good. I hope that that was uh, educational to you all. It was educational to me. Um, I am really thankful. I want to encourage you. If you don't know much about masonry, go back and listen to the debate. It was powerful. It was really, really useful to me. I'm still gaining and even more um, learning. Yeah, I just uh, just want to say, yeah, you know, anybody it. that's um, you know listened to the debate, knowing that um, we know somebody that has renounced their Freemasonry, um, pray for them, pray that their church loves them and includes them and equips them and gives them good works that we know that the church has prepared for it from eternity. And I'd say if you're in Masonry, yes, so, go to Scripture. Yeah, go to Scripture and look at what Freemasonry Be a Jesus. And, and study. Um, and you would yes. say, don't just look at what Pike says about Jesus yeah. or what Coyle says about Jesus. Look what your blue book says. Is, is that the correct place to send them? Um, well, each Grand Lodge has their own kind of books and titles for books and stuff okay. like that. But find monitors, find documents from the state with a seal from it and read uh, those things. If you're going, if you've got somebody in your life that you want to talk to more deeply. And so just vague. Things. Would you say then further, I want to extend this before we jump in. Would you say, look at what your Grand Lodge, your state Grand Lodge's documents state about things like yeah, God, you've got to, you've theology got to put it together. proper. So you've got to have, you've got to have the worldview, anybody, any God. As long you know, as long as you're not an atheist, you have to believe in a supreme being. You can't be an atheist. Can't be like a, I don't. And know. any state lodge you yeah, believe so is going to, to you've be. You've got to have this. You have to buy into its presuppositions for the sake of argument. Okay. Okay. So this is presuppositional apologetics. Yeah. You've got to take on its worldview and go. Well, any god, we don't pray. You know, we pray um, without those offensive things. So we don't pray to Jesus. And then you'll start to see that they prop up this concept of God and worship it. That so you would say that the God, God of masonry yeah. is completely opposed or yeah, it would be, yeah. it would be an antithetical to the God of yeah, scripture. Because it's a, it's a reason to God. It is a God that humans have created in a, as a concept. It is the God of Kant um, that has to exist, but we can't know. And so no grand law would teach the exclusivity of the triune God of scripture as the only God. Yeah. yeah. So there are no other gods. So you basically have to wipe out the uh, sections of Isaiah where God is speaking to the, the false gods, the yeah. false gods on trial. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you know, you have to um, take the risk um, for this to um, make sure that, you know, because it's a, it's a morality club, right? Okay. You can't divorce that from the true God. Agreed. And this divorces it from the true God. So they're trying to build moral people, but how can you build a moral person that doesn't believe in the true so God? So one of the things that I would have asked too, and I know you had a good yeah. cross-ex, and gosh, I wish I would have told you some of this, but like when a mason stands in front of the open casket and does the funeral ceremony for the mason, and they say, knowing if I'm a Christian mason and I'm standing in front of the casket of someone that I know was not a Christian, but just said, hey, I believe in a generic God, right? I mean, again, I'm saying generic God, the universal God that they're saying is the God of masonry. And I say that that person is in the Grand Lodge above. Am I just acting out this ritual that means nothing? Or am I 
happy to lie to everybody who's there at the funeral service yeah, either, and give a false hope to their family yeah. so and teach that means, masonry brings about their salvation. Yeah, it, it either means masonry God is the masonry's God is the true God, or everybody's lying. So I mean, every mason would have to ask themselves whether they actually believe what they're saying when they do that. Yeah. So I mean, rock in a hard place, you're stuck in a lie. Yeah. No matter which way. And so on the other hand of that, um, as Steve Sokalis has said, Sokalis has said um, pastors, you need to deal with this and you need to lose your job over it. Yeah. And I've stood up to and I'm going to tell you right church. now that I have lost way. a friend. So we had somebody listen and they believed and they're following Christ. But on the other hand, whenever Paul went to the Areopagus, some people didn't believe. Um, I've lost a friend that I thought was for me in other situations and has cut off all contact with me. Um, I have extended myself a bunch of times trying to go, let's get together. I love you. I consider you a brother, just inconsistent. And I want to talk about it. And we've and, risked that. We've and, both he's risked a, that. And, and it's not just somebody. It is a brother in Christ that was willing for the sake of their brotherhood and Freemasonry. He cut it off for the brotherhood. So that goes to show you the partiality that exists in Freemasonry. So, you know, and if your church is okay with Masons having positions of authority, there's a problem. There's a serious problem. Yeah. And so it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we've got to be willing to live in that world and embrace that non-neutrality, stand on the word, stand on the gospel. um, Let God be true though. Every man a liar, but you know that, you know, Elisha, was standing there whining about that. And God said, 7,000 men I have not allowed to bow the knee to Baal. So we know we're not alone in this. I'm not a victim of this, but I wanted to let you know that I have lost somebody, a brother, a professed brother in Christ over this issue. Luckily, we've gained a brother into the church and reconciled a brother to the church um, because of this. Um, But, you know, there is the other effect. The gospel has two effects. Either it's going to be the power or it's going to be the smell of death. So we have to embrace all of scripture and two co-equal truths um, that apparently might contradict, but they don't. So, you know, that being said, I guess let's get into, uh, since we got 12 minutes here. Sorry, man. I apologize. (laughs) I hope that you guys can understand. So I'm going to put this at one and a half speed. Um, We'll see here. And if we need to slow it down, we will. All right, I'm ready to go. So my goal here is to successfully make the argument that one can be a Christian and a Mason consistently. That is different than arguing that Freemasonry is a Christian institution. I submit that Freemasonry is explicitly secular. And why it may have begun as a Christian Ooh. institution, it later... Yeah, so he, he admits it's, it's secular. Okay, so should we be a part and covenant with secular societies? This again goes into the why are we partnering with the unbeliever? How can you get around that? It's the same thing that I hear whenever I go, you know, if, if Paul said that women should not have authority over a man. And then he goes to the creation account, not, not culture, not, well, they're just not educated now. It might change in the future. No, he goes, Adam was created first. He was created second. We know from going back that Adam needed a helper. Adam was given all the responsibility on him himself. He had to shoulder it all because of the curse. Things are going to happen between that relationship. See, I can I can make a parallel here that actually meaning is meaningful, which he never made a parallel that was analogous. He had a false analogy. Yes. Um, so, you know, he's he's he can't explain. And again, I've asked him, how do you get around these kind of scriptures? And he doesn't tell me how he gets how, how the scripture is supposed to be met. He, an objectively right understanding of that scripture he just goes off to some subjective false analogy. Yeah, and the piece for me right off the bat would be when he says that it was created as a secular organization. There's a problem for me because we don't see as Christians neutral organizations. That presupposes that there can be a organization that is not Christian, but is not opposed to Christianity. That's false. Every organization, even if they want to say, well, I'm a business, so I'm not, I'm not a Christian business. Baloney. Every business, every element of creation is either for God or opposed to God. Human beings, when they're part of an organization, can't separate themselves from their identity of Christ. Again, in Christ, in a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Also, when we think back to, and I always just open up my Bible to Romans 3, and people probably think, man, Dave, you just are, are like, uh, just, you 
just dwell on Romans 3? Yes, I do, because Scripture is so clear that we are God-haters, or we are those who have been saved by Jesus Christ and given regenerate hearts. And so, to say that there's an organization that is secular means that there's an organization that's going to uh, not use morals that are from God. They're going to somehow stumble upon some set of moral principles that are secular. See, once you begin to bring morals into this picture, it's not a secular organization. It's defining who man is. It's defining who God is. It's making uh, declarations about acts within time and weighing them on the scale of opposed to God or for God. Does that yeah, make sense? And it's one of those things like, you know, he's he he hasn't understood this non-neutrality issue and the presuppositional apologetic that everything steals from the Christian worldview. Yes. Doesn't make it Christian, but it's either it is Christian or it steals. Yeah. And it's immoral from the get go. Yeah. Because right it is stealing. Became one which allowed members of essentially any religion. In this process, however, the Christian ministers which wrote the constitutions which opened Freemasonry to men of any religion did not introduce any component contrary to the Christian faith, and thus gave no cause for a Christian. Uh, no component. Con- how about poor ise- or poor exegesis? How about eisegesis? How about they're prepared? They fit themselves as the living stones. That's the church. That are individuals that are being built into a spiritual house. That is second. That is First Peter two, for the. Uh, for the spiritual temple in the heaven, eternal in the heavens, right? That is the glorified body that is given to us. It conflates scripture. It does eisegesis. It pulls it out of its context for the use it wants to appear Christian, but it's not Christian because it doesn't really explain scripture. From joining Freemasonry. Freemasonry, like any secular institution, should be held to a very simple standard. Will joining this institution cause me or others to sin? I submit that it does not, and thus a Christian, Mason, thus a Christian can be a Mason. Yes. So does it cause you to sin? Does it? So it goes, I can believe in my God. I don't have to believe in any other God. I can be moral and a good person and uh, be okayed for the celestial lodge. So I can be moral without the true God, right? I can worship my God. That's okay. You don't care about that. Now, which uh, that's even inconsistent because he said the lodges, some lodges have some extra questions that they ask about it. Um, but their website, their grand lodge says, we don't care. That's between you and your God. So they, again, they can't even be consistent with themselves. Well, here's the issue that gets with me. All right. So again, um, masonry teaches that it has a higher moral principle that they are somehow enlightened. They're working to be more enlightened by this grand architect of the universe and they're living at a higher moral standard than the rest of mankind here's the problem with that if that is what you truly believe then you need to get every single person not just men you need to get every single person you could possibly get into that organization because that's the highest morality available and therefore when you don't follow through with that and when you go to church and you teach a god that is not the god of masonry you've then caused your brothers to sin Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying yeah yeah to make my argument, I must establish the definitions I'll be using. There are numerous terms related to the subject of Freemasonry, and it's important to be clear on what I'm discussing in order to avoid confusion. This evening, unless otherwise noted, when I speak of Freemasonry, I'll be referring to what is called the regular Freemasonry, as defined by the Grand Lodge of Michigan. Freemasonry is made up of sovereign Grand Lodges, which so are the is. and as a so Mason, I always... he's giving the institutional definition. Okay. But there's more. There's more definitions, and I brought one. He didn't deny it, and yeah. then he didn't deal with it. Recognize the Grand Lodges, Lodges, and members that the Grand Lodge of Michigan does. However, the Grand Lodge of Michigan is a part of a wide network of mutual recognition, often referred to as regular Freemasonry, which includes, but is in no way governed by, the United Grand Lodge of England. Regular Grand Lodges are not identical and may vary significantly in ritual and bylaws, but their institutions and landmarks, what you might call key principles, are considered similar enough that the respective members of each grand jurisdiction all recognize one another as Freemasons. I'm familiar with a number of regular jurisdictions, but ultimately I'll be speaking from the perspective of a Michigan Mason. Like the vast majority of states, our lodges use our own variant of a ritual symbol by Thomas Smith Webb, which is often referred to as the York or American Rite Craft Degree Ritual, in contrast to the Scottish Rite Craft Degree. Explain a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah, so he he says that the web rituals um, are used. So this would be like um, the rituals where you would get the, the like what you do during those ceremonies. Like uh, whenever you get hoodwinked, that gets blindfolded. Whenever you get a cable toe put around you and you're pulled around um, and you do that. So I didn't I didn't utilize these things because I didn't have any Grand Lodge material going. Hey, we use webs. I was being as honest as I possibly could with the materials that I had to keep him stuck with the Grand Lodge. So the Grand Lodge um, of Michigan yeah. is where you tried to nail him down as you would anyone yeah, who was yeah. a member of another. So now, now knowing that Webb's ritual is used, I can read that and go, why do you say, like, if you were a Christian, 
before going into Freemasonry, why, whenever you were an entered apprentice, did you say that you were in darkness and you were in need of light? That's what you do whenever you you get hoodwinked. You have to like, do you have to dress up, and it's a big you, uh, dramatic affair to um, do the ritual to be initiated. And that's what they say is that they are in darkness and they're seeking light. And see, here's the issue that I have with that as a Christian. Do you truly believe that you're in darkness? Because if you truly believe that you're in darkness, then you're not a Christian. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, if your eyes have been opened to salvation through Christ Jesus, you have everything you need to know. All the wisdom of knowledge is in Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Uh, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Why do you need something else? Are you just doing that because you're saying, hey, this is a cool organization? Or, like, does it actually mean something to you? And see, yeah. for me, this is where it becomes a very serious issue of morality. If you are a Christian, you have to ask yourself very seriously, am I just going through some fun, hokey practice? Is this just fun? some fun, hokey practice for me? Or is there something really behind this? And see, yeah. that's where you're either... Telling yourself that, no, this doesn't mean anything, which then you're saying the words that I'm saying and the actions that I'm taking part in are not meaningful in any real way. Yeah. But it could be meaningful to the people that are doing them. Yeah. And that's the, you know, the other thing I've had another Freemason that I've talked to. Um, he was just kind of like, well, I joined it for more of just business connections and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, but you do ritual. And he's like, ah, oh, a bunch of hocus pocus. Then I go to, and this is Missouri, so I go to yeah. their, um, I go to the proceedings from like two or three years ago where the they're screaming, we need more ritual, you need to take this stuff seriously. Oh, that was in this the Missouri. Not, basically saying that it's not hocus pocus. Yeah. And so he came back and I was like, well, I read these proceedings and uh, they're saying something very different. This isn't just a business connection thing. This is like you learn ritual and you're supposed to act it out. You're supposed to actually live and you're supposed to memorize and know the principles and actually they charge you to live it out. So to Freemasonry, your Grand Lodges isn't a hocus pocus. So it sounds like your Grand Lodge is against you. And he didn't really say much to that. But at least I get got to give him like, well, and then basically he says, well, there's a bunch of traditionalists. And it's like, isn't Freemasonry a traditional organization that's based on tradition? So it's not traditionalist. It's the Grand Lodge. It's yeah. the truth about their things. And so if you're not going to take it seriously, you better take it seriously or else you're not, you're not actually going to be considered a true Mason. If they find out that you're just treating this stuff as a business organization to get, get uh, connections. You're lying if that's what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, it mean it means something. They do something. This that's they might say. Well, it's symbol symbolical, but symbols point to something. Symbols mean something. So, and to the Christian, yeah. we recognize that words do have meaning. Yes, but you know that's again that that's the post modern culture. That's why they're actually experiencing a decrease. Um, not an increase in membership. That's why they're there. Basically, if you look at what those proceedings said in Missouri said, and then you think about Al Mohler and whenever he was going, I need doctrine. We need more theology um, in our churches. They're saying the same thing. Why? Because they want you to believe it, right? Yeah. And there's one side, Alvin Mohler's going, that he's telling the truth, the objective truth. We need more objective truth about who God has revealed himself to be, and we need to act like it. Yes. And then you got them over here going, well, no, 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 no. We want our principles. And then you get a Christian caught in the middle of the two things. What are they to do? That should be a scary situation. It should cause you to go, I'm going to learn theology over here, like true theology, not just this veiled um, hocus pocus stuff and leave, get out. Because they're going to want to teach you and indoctrinate you into thinking that the Bible doesn't matter. God doesn't matter. Um, Whatever doesn't matter. As long as you're here, you're a true brother. We'll treat you nice. Ritual generally associated with French Freemasonry. And to my knowledge, only regularly practiced in the U.S. and Louisiana. And it's also the case that when I speak of Freemasonry, I'm referring to Freemasonry's practice in craft or blue lodges, which culminates with the Master Mason or Third Degree. Despite what you may have heard, the Third is the highest degree in Freemasonry. The remainder degrees, some numbered and some not, are found in what are called dependent bodies, separate organizations that are optional for Masons to join. Grand Lodges vary on which dependent bodies they recognize, but one can be a Mason, uh, one can be a Mason, and in fact, Grand Master of Masons without joining any of them. So far as ritual is concerned, I will do my best so to ensure So essentially, again, uh, I think that's a good little piece of yeah. clarity. 
there really are only three degrees in masonry. Yeah, yeah, and there was only two degrees, and I think it was later on where the master, um, where the third degree actually developed. So from the very beginning, it wasn't like that. It's developed over time. Um, from my understanding, I'd have to get uh, the citation on that. Yeah, no problem. Um, but so, yeah, so this is why I only dealt with the first three degrees. Yeah, you knock the foundations out, quicksand. So you don't have to go into, you know, you might, you might uh, read some other people in the Jabulon um, that, you know, where it's Yahweh, Osiris and Baal combined to make the one secret name of God mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. You might, you might go, you, you don't have to go into conspiracy with this. Conspiracy theory might be true, but you don't have to deal with it because uh, you, then you're dealing with other stuff. You become, you become the fool if you argue that way. Gotcha. But deal with what you can know. Deal with the foundations. And once the foundations are gone, you got nothing to stand on. So that's all you need to do. Like you said, this is the only real three degrees in masonry. It doesn't matter really much more after that. It's basically them just puffing themselves up with a symbol and a degree number and going, hey, I've got fame in this fraternity. Mm-hmm. God resists the proud. And not offer up any grips, signs, or words that would constitute a Masonic secret. To do so would be an act of dishonesty, if not betrayal. But with that honesty in mind, I will not lie either in submission or omission to protect the secrets of Freemasonry. That is not an obligation I would have entered into as a Christian. If something comes up that I've agreed not to discuss, I will state it plainly. I also feel that it is important to note that I'm not representing the Grand Lodge of Michigan or any local Masonic body. I'm simply a brother in Christ, speaking with fellow brothers about a subject near and dear to my heart. To understand That's an interesting thing. Continue. He just separated himself then as a Mason. Mm-hmm. I can switch channels here to here. Yeah. I'm... Yeah, and that's the and that's the thing that I you know I, I asked him that question. Are you suffering your zeal for the lodge, and your and your charge not to do that? You are charged not to suffer your zeal for the sake of the lodge. Um, they are told to have silence and circumspection when it comes to things like this. Um, he said, "Not my interpretation of that." Mm-hmm. So apparently, he gets to interpret his authoritative documents in the way that he wants to take them, and then he can act out of that. Well, I read that, that I go. If I'm charged not to suffer my zeal for the sake of the lodge to somebody that might be ignorant of what the lodge is about, um, I'm going to have to comply with that. Let me change channels yeah. just for a minute with our last little three minutes we got here. Yeah. So I think you did an excellent job in the debate. I think that you demonstrated that as you carried that through to the discussion. Mm-hmm. And if someone was reading those discussions, they got some good stuff. Mm-hmm. It really came down to even Brandon admitting at the end of your discussion that that document that's posted to the Michigan yeah. Lodge, Grand Lodge of Michigan application, is not Christian. It is not Christian, and we've got to hold that. We've got to keep that in the light. Um, and because so- if that is not Christian, it's going to be it's going to be emblematical and symbolical for the whole of Freemasonry at some level. Um, so we need to hold it. Now he has said that it is against Christianity and it is also against the lectures. And I want to let you know that um, if you look at it, most of it is contained in a document that is cited on there. Um, so it is coming from a grand lodge sealed uh, document on the history of Michigan Freemasonry in the foreword of that book. And you can look it up, look it up online. There's a copy that is scanned in from the university of Michigan's library that you can read. And from the foreword, most of what is on that front page of that petition is in there. So he cannot come back and say, you know, the lodge has not agreed to that, that sort of, that's right. And, and that's so what's really, and so make sure you get quote, that clarified because that's yeah. really key. Yeah. So the quote that's in there that, is what I used in my uh, debate um, is the quote that you forget every tie, but the one tie on the broad grounds of masonry um, that you have in a common humanity, Um, which again, as I stated, if that is the case, what is the only thing as a Christian that we know that ties us together? And it's our rebellion against God. It's what we are saved from in Christ. We cannot bind ourselves to rebellion. Again, we cannot Covenant so unbelievers. the main point there is, even if Brandon thinks that that document that you are using to apply to be part of the Grand Lodge of Michigan is counter to scripture, mm-hmm. it's part of the Grand Lodge's forward well, some, in the... Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot, there's stuff that's not in there, but see what, what happens now is I have found that much information that's in Grand Lodge material, so... Who's to say that the other stuff isn't? We just got to find it. Exactly. And if it's in there, it's a part of 
what the Grand Lodge teaches. And it might be missing from a lecture here, but we can't think in parts and pieces. And that's the problem in this. That's where Brandon is in. He has part and pieced out the scriptures and proof texted it without context to then uh, be okay with Freemasonry. And now he's parting and piecing out his Freemasonry to make it go, see over here, over in the lectures. Well, no, 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 no. That They have agreed with this historical uh, volume that speaks on the history of Michigan Freemasonry. Most of that, again, on that is in the foreword of a Grand Lodge sealed uh, book. So let me kind of wrap this up because I think this is a really important thing. Let's say that you've listened to the program today. You have noted that there is inconsistency. You cannot be a Christian and a Mason because Christianity is mutually exclusive Mm -hmm. when it comes to the God of Freemasonry. Mm -hmm. And you're in a lodge and you're like, man, I now have I've messed up. I've got to get out of this. Yeah. What's the next step? The next step is go to your church, be a part of your church. The church is what Jesus is building and is establishing to be the display of the multifaceted wisdom of God. And that's what we did this debate, by the way. Yeah. And so the thing is, is go to your church. There is forgiveness. It's okay. It's okay. Now you might experience backlash from your fellow brothers that were in Freemasonry. But what does Hebrews say? The Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? right. And so don't worry about them. Don't fear man, fear God and come to the church. Let the church welcome you. Let the church equip you for every good work. Are and there, if your church isn't doing that, call them to it. That So then you can debate them and go, we should be doing these sort of things. And uh, hopefully you've been given the gift of whatever that service is, and then they can equip you and send you. That is the whole purpose of the church. There was also a group that you in one of the books, you, I uh, think you connected with one of the, I connected, I connected yeah. with uh, Steve Sokalis a little bit and a guy named Larry Kunk and that's Ephesians 511 ministries. Yeah. Um, and what is Ephesians 511 ministries um, real quick? It, it's, it looked like it was a little bit of an out of date website. Um, you can still contact uh, Larry Kunk will get to you. You can actually, uh, there's lots of documents written on there from ex Masons um, explaining their experiences, what they learned and what is contrary to scripture and Freemasonry. So that's a good, uh, a good um, Ephesians six five eleven Ephesians five eleven ministries. ministries yeah and then yeah. Uh, I call I I emailed it I got Larry Kunk and then I found out he was one of the uh, guys that endorsed the back of Steve Socalis's book and I was like oh there you are buddy and so we talked for about an hour and a half a couple months ago um, over these issues and stuff and like I said I had Steve Socalis read over my opening statement and he just gave me a few little pointers. So I'm thankful I called I called Larry Kunk the other day before the debate and he prayed over me and everything. So there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there. There's another guy on YouTube that commented um, that, uh, that he watched the debate. He's a I think he said he was a 33 degree Mason or 32 degree um, Scottish Rite Mason and a Shriner um, and that he had left a long time ago. And it looks like he's got a Facebook page that he shared Facebook dot com slash Freemasonry facts. Um, he commented on ours, uh, supporting, um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm thankful to him. His name is Jay Hortonberry. And so I thank you, uh, for, again, for supporting uh, me and, and saying, you know, bravo Adam for standing firm on the word of God. And that's all I have. Yeah. I have to be humble no, and, man, and stand on the word of God. So again, debate. like I said, uh, you did analogical reasoning. You know, it's, it's revealed truth. It's not what we're going up to again. And so just, just in brief, even if this document is taken off the website, um, what Brandon has used in the lodge, uh, the petition, is the same page two, which then still has an Albert uh, or Albert Schweitzer quote um, that says that we are still seeking the universal, um, that we've got to uh, find out our, we have to realize our worth. We have to do our works to realize that. And so um, it's still in contention with Freemasonry, no matter if the if the petition changes, if they get rid of that information, I'd be questioning why. And I would be looking up the documents to find out that they teach this kind of stuff. And they would have to renounce that book, the forward of that book. Yeah. I mean, to be consistent. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a lot more work to be done. And, you know, it's one of those things, Brandon, he might uh, think that I might be mad or whatever. And it's one of those things I want him to know. I want Brandon to realize that I believe everybody's a marred image bearer of God, um, that 
everything's worth my consideration and everything, but I'm going to hold you um, to your word to find out. And I'm holding you to your, hopefully Christian convictions that if what is stated on that uh, petition, that you renounce it and get out as soon as you can. And if there's any way that Dave and I can help you in that, if there's anybody around you that we can uh, help equip to serve you in that, we would most certainly do that. So we're in your corner. We are against the principles. We're not arguing the person. Yeah. People are inconsistent. Yep. This is the community of the church working together to equip, rebuke, exhort, and correct um, for the glory of God. So uh, again, Brandon, we love you. And uh, we want you to know that, that and if we say anything against you, do not take it as we hate you. Yeah. And we're it's mad. Just, uh... It's just, we don't want you caught up into something that you shouldn't be in. And I, I think you've been exceptionally kind and I think you've been exceptionally civil. You've made the argument mm-hmm. from scripture yeah, and you've asked for scripture to be brought in response. Yeah. Well, man, this has been a good show. Yeah, I, thank you guys. Uh, Adam, thank you for your amazingly difficult work or amazingly astute work. And it was a difficult challenge and you were up to it. And that is awesome. And that's yeah. what we like to do. Please, if you get a chance, share today's podcast mm-hmm. as well. Um, share the live stream. And, and we can continue always. the discussion on this and other shows and stuff. So if you guys have any more uh, questions, if, you got, if you're if you a Freemason and want to uh, be contrary to me and uh, give me something contrary to what I've said. Um, or if you're a Freemason and want to clarify. Let's, let's sharpen each other. So, um, you know, let's, let's keep this uh, line open. Um, for Freemasonry and everything, because it is still an issue, especially in the Southern Baptist Convention, um, yeah. which this podcast reaches out most to. So, um, but I guess with that said, um, with an hour in or over an hour in, yeah, um, we will not guys. have a show next week, yeah. but we will on the twenty first. Yeah. We'll still touch base on exactly yeah. what we're going to do on that. Yes. So, so anyway, with that being said, this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I'm Dave. And Soli. Deo. The Gloria.